Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on this, the inaugural episode of A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers. In the coming weeks, months, and hopefully years, we're going to explore some great personalities and what makes them click, which brings us to this, the first episode with the one and only Harvey Levin, the founder of TMZ. I hope this is indicative of what kind of content we're going to be creating for the foreseeable future, and I want you to get out there on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and share this, and make sure your friends subscribe, and if you've got one that you really like, tell me about it and share it with your uh, friends and family. Let's buckle up as we explore the seedy underbelly of Celebrity World with Harvey Levin on TMZ. Thank you again for joining us. This is A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good night, good afternoon. I have no idea what time it is. This is a podcast, so you're listening to it wherever and whenever it is. This is a lot to learn with Austin Rogers, and we have got an awesome one tonight. We are with the one and only, the founder of TMZ, as English people say, TMZ. Or Hebrew. Or he is ZZ. Zed. Oh, it is. Oh. We haven't even gone to the and introduction. I, that was I Harvey Levin. Austin. That was Harvey Levin wow. of TMZ correcting me before we even I, no, started. I didn't correct you. I expanded. You expanded my knowledge. Yes. yes, correct. And that is the goal of our show to expand our knowledge. Now you have an encyclopedic knowledge of the world of celebrity. How is that? Well, that's the question. How is that? I, you know, I was talking to somebody. Have you ever just sat down and thought it through? I was a lawyer, and now I'm here. I, I literally said, we, we're doing TMZ Live today, and Jerry O'Connell was a guest, and he's doing a show. I loved Sliders. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Um, he's doing a show on the Housewives, uh, the Housewives franchise. Right. On Bravo. But it's four dudes talking about it from their vantage point. And I'm thinking, Jerry's doing this, uh, kind of picking apart the housewife show. And I literally said to him on the show today, it's so funny you say that. I said to him on the show today, I said, Jerry, have you ever had a moment like I had this weekend where I just kind of thought to myself, what am I doing with my life? How did what, I get how here? How did I get here? Well, and I literally was thinking that over the weekend. Well, let's go. Let's point outline out. How did you get here? Oh, God, they're twisting. Well, it, it doesn't have to be linear, but let's, let's start at the beginning. So I was a law professor, and um, I was young. I started teaching when I was 24. And I, you know, I, I wanted to be a television reporter. But I sent resumes out when I was in law school to um, 100 television stations. I would be in Biloxi, Mississippi today if they would have said yes. <laughs> I'm serious. And everybody said no. There was no such thing as a legal reporter or anything like that. So I ended up, I practiced and I taught. And I was teaching. And there was a thing in California, you're too young to know this. Oh, you know what? I'll test you. I might know it. I don't know. I don't think you'll know this. Okay, let's go. Okay. Who was the trigger, the, the, the guy who launched 
Proposition 13, which put a limit on property taxes. It was a national thing. It was a phenomenon. No, this is this sounds before my time. It, it, it's a guy named Howard Jarvis. Okay, and what he did was people were losing their homes because of property taxes. So he started this movement that just swept the country, and it was a long time ago. And the dean of my law school came to which me law at, school? Um, at the time, I was teaching in Whittier Law School, and he said um, he said that he was heading up the No One Thirteen campaign, and he said. Howard Jarvis is like 75 years old, and he's killing everybody because they all have special interests. I need somebody to debate him who's a clean slate. You don't own a house. You're young. There's nothing he can get on you. So would you debate Howard Jarvis? So we started doing this dog and pony show. And we would go on talk radio for like five hours from midnight to five in the morning. Just lobbying for the proposition. I would go against it. Yep. And he would go for it. And we actually hit it off, and we got along. And he, he couldn't kill me because... It wasn't like he could say, well, you have a vested interest, you're in the real estate business, I was a clean slate. So it was a fair fight, and after he won, I got a call from this radio station, KBC in LA, and they said, we want to give you a show once a week where you can talk about law. And I said, okay. And he said, we're going to call, we're not going to use your name. We're going to call you Dr. Law. So I was Dr. Law. <laughs> was it doc- Dr. Law in the fuzz? Dr. Law. <laughs> and I would give like advice to people. And then it ended up being a newspaper column in the Herald Examiner and then the LA Times. And I kept doing radio. And, and then I got this offer to do television. And I had never done it before. And I had to read a teleprompter, and I'd ne- which I had never done. And I was just awful. I mean, really it's it's cringeworthy to watch it and they does it exist is it out there it's in three on three quarter inch format and i don't think there's such a thing anymore (laughs) so i think i'm safe but i have them in my basement luckily they're in the basement and they're in the basement so um so anyway so it just like i i taught myself how to be a reporter when i when i did this because i was just doing legal consumer stuff but i i told them look whenever anybody's on vacation give me their position, and I'll work for a day. It's better than nothing. And I, I taught myself how to be an investigative reporter. Right. So I did that for a long time in L.A. And then I got, you know, I did, like, the, you know, the Rodney King case and ultimately, you know, riots and floods and, yeah. and, and, and everything and earthquakes. But I was an investigative reporter. And, and then I did O.J. Simpson, and it consumed my life. And it consumed the country's life. But it was my life. All people would talk to me about was O.J. Simpson. It was my, the on, my life was only about that, and it was from the moment I woke up until you know, 11.30 at night when I finished the 11 o'clock news, it was and live every day, it was O.J. Simpson. By the time it was over, I was done with news, and I just thought, I, I just done. So I wanted to start a production company, and I started a production company, and then I ended up producing People's Court for a couple of years, and then started doing other shows. So you're still tangentially in this law world. Even though you're in law entertainment, you're in the law world. And so what happened was in 19... God, it was just at the end of doing news, 1990-something, Tony Danza got pissed off at a photographer. And he... (laughs) That's a sentence you haven't said since. (laughs) (laughs) No offense, Mr. Danza. And he, he chased him down Malibu Road and grabbed his camera and stole his camera and then grabbed the film, tore the film out, and then gave him the camera back. And I think he hit him too. And so the DA ended up not prosecuting. And I was thinking about it and I thought, why? 
And the DA couldn't give me a reason. And I thought, is it because he's a celebrity? And I like Tony Danza, by yeah. the way. And I get why he was pissed off, because this photographer was really shady and was doing some bad things. So, I mean, he was on the beach, and he was pretending like he was you know, just a beachgoer. He was taking pictures of him in his balcony with his kid. So I get why he was pissed. But I was thinking about it, and I started thinking, why do, why do, photographer, why do celebrities, do they get treated the same way as, as Joe Schmo? And I started thinking, what an interesting show to do celebrities in the legal system. So I created the show called Celebrity Justice, mm-hmm. which was just all about that. It's how are they treated from the minute they go in to the minute they leave. And um, it took me seven years to sell the show, and I went everywhere, and they said no, and I went back to Warner Brothers three times. And finally they said yes. So it was on the air, and it was a great show. I loved the show, but we didn't have a time period that was any good in any in the major markets. So the owner of, uh, or the president of Telepictures, which was part of the division of Warner Brothers that my show was under, he said, how would you like to do a website? And he said, we're going to partner with AOL and we're going to do a website. Right. And we're going to be showing more red carpet than just the stuff you see on Entertainment Tonight. And I'm thinking, A... Why does anybody want to see more red carpet? I mean, they want to see less red carpet. And secondly, Jim, are you asking me this because you're about to kill my show? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, screw you. I am not going to go into the internet when I'm a TV guy now. Right. No way. And so I left and I said, and I, and I was just about to make a TV deal. I know this is a long story, but I'm just. No, about, no, no. It's, it's fascinating. About, and then I went to Mexico. And this was a couple of months after I told Jim to go screw himself. <clears throat> and I was in Mexico drinking margaritas, and I was kind of in a margarita haze. And then I thought, God, you know, the problem I had with celebrity justice, we broke all these stories, but our time periods were so crappy that, by the to- by, that we couldn't hold the story. So I would break the story on CNN or Fox or MSNBC, and then by the time it ended up on my show... It's old news. It was old news. And I couldn't make a business out of it. And then I, I just, like, it hit me like that. I just thought, you know what? If you are... If you run a website that's like a news operation, because there were no news operations online at the time, I said if you run a website like a news operation and you really have you know lawyers and researchers and producers and all this stuff, you can beat everybody. Right. You legitimize the web in the days of the Wild West web when it's just novelty. Right. But the but you first have to break stories. And what I thought was you know, if you don't have a time period or a publishing cycle, and when you get it right, you get it up, you beat everybody. Yeah. Simple. So everyone goes to you as the resource. It Be- seems so simple. Yeah. And so I called him back, and I said, I know that we, I passed on this a couple of months ago, but I had an epiphany. And if you let me do a news operation and not red carpet crap, I would do this. And so we kind of did a dance, and I, he said yes, and we you know, kind of negotiated all of this. And eventually, Jim became my partner. Right. Quit telepictures and came over and was my partner at TMZ. Yeah, good idea is a good idea. And so that's how we launched TMZ. It was a really simple concept, and we figured that, you know, I figured, you know, the, uh, this is exactly what happened. The first story we broke, um, we got a call from CNN, and they said, that's a great story. Who are your sources? And it's like, Dude, I'm not going to tell you who my sources are. Why would I do that? Yep. And he, they said, "Well, we don't. It's you're on you're on the web, and we're not going to trust you unless you tell us our sources." And I said, "Okay, 
See ya. Yep. And I and and what was in my head was they're going to see that we're right. And this is going to be like Pavlov's dog, that they will come back again and ask the same question, and I'm going to pass, and then they're going to realize we're right. Yep. And it will take four times, five times, seven times, whatever, and eventually they're going to say, we don't, we don't want to get embarrassed because we're not doing these stories when they're fresh, yep. and we could do them when we're fresh if we trust them, so eventually they trust So them. eventually, it's as reported by TMZ... Right. On CNN, because right. before it was like, we've heard, or maybe, or blah, 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 blah. But now it's like, as reported as on TMZ, breaking on TMZ, this happened. And CNN cites it back to you. And now everyone goes, how's TMZ getting the scoops all the time? That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it worked. And then we started breaking more and more stories. And then, you know, everybody started quoting us. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was funny because at the beginning, you know, the Washington Post, the New York Times, they were all doing these stories, especially after we broke the Mel Gibson case, that everybody was doing these stories about, you know, TMZ. It's this upstart little news operation online, and we're beating, you know, ABC and, and all the others. And it was really the Mel Gibson case that put us on the map. Right. And so it got to the point where they were quoting us so much. I don't know if you remember when Paris Hilton went to jail. Yes. And then she went home because she was sick, and then the police were going to come pick her up. Yes. And take her back to jail. Yes. And when she got out of the car, she, she, we, we decided, because everybody was quoting us because we had these sources. So we were putting information up on the site, and everybody's quoting TMZ, and the TMZ is reporting, TMZ is reporting. So I said to somebody, watch this. So I had somebody write a story that said, Paris Hilton. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Walked out in a chic Japanese type kimono, and we just described the fashion she was wearing, which anybody could see if they were watching television, right? right? They were watching her because it was live on television. And so I think it was CNN. They said, TMZ is reporting Paris Hilton walked out in a chic kimono. But it's right there. (laughs) It's right there. It's right there. (laughs) You you just decided to describe it and write it down. Hey, in, in a way, you know. Print is still the official medium, and internet is still print, you know? It was funny. Well, and you know, when we put video up, too, I mean, that's that was the other thing. We figured we needed to bring this to life, and we didn't want to make it look like a newspaper, so video was really important right. from the beginning. And then, so now you've got this, now you've got this news-breaking celebrity website. How do we end up with this? I'm looking at it right now. You guys have all seen TMZ. Now, here's the crazy thing about TMZ. All those talking heads and people popping up over their desks, they're not actors, no, they're, they're not correspondents. They're your team, right? Oh, they're re- no. Nobody gets hired to be on a show. Correct. So tell they tell a real job. Tell everyone that because you see everyone and everyone's buoyant and happy and super cool and they've always got a pithy comment. But that's actually their copy that they're saying to you in their original reporting. Correct. 
Well, I mean, it's not exactly. I mean, what happens is this. Um, everybody gets hired for, you know, we have 270 people now. Yeah. And, you know, there are editors and PAs and producers and, you know, all sorts of people, that, you know, from the sports department and from, you know, other places in the building. And what we do is we pull chairs up in the morning and we don't have a director, we don't have a stage manager. Everybody just pulls chairs up. We have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I have no idea what they're pitching. So they just pitch me stories mm -hmm. and it's all just natural. And some of the, and, and usually the people pitching the stories are people who have some involvement in the story. So it's not just, they're not just reciting what somebody else said. They're their stories. Yeah. So, you know, it could be a camera guy who shot something. Uh, the day before, so he tells me about the interaction and maybe more than just what we see on camera. Yep. It could be, you know, a producer on the website who broke a story about something, and it's their story, so they're it's real. They're, they're just, vested in it. Yeah, yeah, they're just telling me. They're they're just talking to me. There's yeah. no acting. There's no script. Nobody gets if anybody comes in and says, um, "Look, I love TMZ. I want to be on television." They are out. Yep, will not hire them. I love TMZ. I want to go find the dirt. All right, now let's talk. It's not the dirt. Okay. I okay. mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. Okay, great, great. I, we're reporters. Yeah. I mean, look, we are covering Hollywood in using the same principles, mostly that um, you know you would use if you were covering the White House. Well, Hollywood's a billion dollar industry. You're covering the industry. You're covering stories. Yeah. You're covering ah. stories. Ah. You know, I mean, something as simple as you know, we find out today, Cardi B. I don't know when you're going to listen to the podcast, but. We found out Cardi B is in negotiation to do the Super Bowl with Maroon 5. Yes. And she wants her own... Full little, set, right? She, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, that takes sources, and it takes, you know, vetting, and you've got to make sure it's right, and you've got to write it properly, and, and all that... It's the same principle. Well, There's this no is, magic to this it. This is like super refreshing because we've got this, we've got this, we're in the new realm, we're digital, we're pumping out video, we're on television simultaneously. But at the same time, in the beginning, we've got this organic like 1940s newsroom. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? What do you got for me? All right, let's run it, roll it, tape it, you know? It's really cool. You've got this old school like hard work ethic where you're going in, you're getting the stories, and you're picking and choosing your reporters. But now you're everywhere, and it's digital, and it's analog, and it's on TV. It's it's got this great old world, new world blend to it. Yep, and and people don't understand the old world part. They think, oh God, what are they doing to get all this stuff? It's like, what are we doing? Boots on the ground. You make a hundred phone calls. Everybody, you know, somebody says no, you find another way. I mean, my, what I tell my staff is find twelve words around the way, uh, twelve ways around the word no. Yeah, that you know, somebody will shut you down, and the better the story, the more people are going to say, ah. Uh, don't know anything about it. Didn't happen. But you know that something happened, and then you just work, and you work, and you work. It's, you know, I did reporting for decades before I did this. Yeah. It's that principle. It is that principle. That is awesome. You know, it's just real. And, and everybody thinks, oh, there's got to be something. No. It is that principle. It's just real good, it's hard reporting. work. It's reporting. Yeah, real good, hard work and reporting. And it is hard. It's really hard. I mean, I can imagine. I can imagine, you know, everyone has such... Uh, fortifications built up around them, you know, publicists and agents, and just how do you how do you circumlocute all of these barriers put up between you and the story? Well, sometimes they, believe me, we work with all of them, uh -huh. and, and and a lot of times they're very cooperative. Yep. And you know, one of the reasons they're cooperative is we really try. And I'm not saying that we're perfect because we're not, but we really try to be accurate. Yep. It is really important to us, and it's so important that we don't break trust. 
if we tell somebody that they're a source and we're not going to say where they are, we will not do and that. We, we, that's really important to us. So, you know, I, they work with us. And even if it's a bad story, they will sometimes come to us because they want us to tell it and they feel like we're going to tell it more fairly than a lot of places that don't really care about a relationship and they'll just do a quick hit and, you know, move on. Right. And so you'd be surprised at how many people work with us. That's awesome. I, I guess it makes sense. You know, it's like the old time sports cat, the sports writers who rode the team train between Philadelphia and Boston. So they're in the train with the ball players. So we got our stories, but we also got a shh, we're not going to go too far on it. You know? Well, and not even that so much. I mean, look, if, it, if it's a, there have been stories that have not been great for people, for sure. And, you know, what we say is, look, you know, work with us. We will always tell your point of view. We will always make sure you have a voice in the story. And it may not be a good story for you, but it's going to get out somewhere. So at least go with the, go with the guy you know. Yeah, I mean, well, the way I put it sometimes is we're, we'll give you the best bad story you can get. <laughs> and, and it's true because, <laughs> you know, they, and, and, you know, people like publicists now, they know this. I mean, most of them don't have their heads in the sand, and they, they know the reality of all of this. So if it's a good story, great. And if it's not a good story and it's going to get out, they figure get it out so that the first story is fair. Right. I'd it's, rather go with the devil I know than the devil I don't. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Well, Harvey, I know your time is short, so I just got two more quick questions. Mm. Um, one is what we do on this show is we go with the thing behind the thing. You know, I talk to certain people, and I go, blah, 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 your movie's coming out, or blah, 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 your new album, or blah, 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 you're performing at this date. But what do you really do? I've got people I've talked to who you know in one realm, but they're stereo collectors, and you never knew that. I talked to someone else who you is very popular, but they make stone sculptures, and you never know that. What's Harvey's? Holy cow, I did not know that this was one of his things. Um, I've kind of stopped this somewhat, but I am passionate about 20s and 30s French poster art. Really? And I have gone like to Paris a couple of times just by myself and roamed the streets um, for like six days and gone into like library basements where they've got like stacks of these posters and flea markets. And I just love it. Right, the classic advertisements. I just love it. And there's a guy named Capiello who was actually Toulouse-Lautrec's mentor. And Toulouse-Lautrec famously started... As a poster artist in the 1870s. Oh, huge. Yeah. And, and this guy, um, Capiello, taught, uh, taught Toulouse-Lautrec, taught him the art. Oh, really? Oh, it's the other way around. Toulouse got bigger. But, got it. But Capiello is fantastic. And, 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 and I just, you just, these things are so interesting. And, you know, they were on bus stops yep. in the rain. And, so it's, it's, and it's, they get preserved over, you know, 100 years so now. So it makes them even doubly rare because they were disposable by their nature. I love them. Yeah. I just, I love them. I'm, I'm picturing right now in my head all those vintage Grand Prix ones where it's just the yeah. swoop. Yeah, the no, swooping no, no. They're car. They're fantastic. And it's just a wheel and a blue streak. And you go, I know that's a race car, but how do I know that's a race car? And you get to know what the culture was like back then through this poster art. You see what, you know, you see the way they're portraying women and men and products and what people like and cigarettes and whiskey and, you know, and just, I, I, it just, 
and and I'm not into the later stuff, but I like looking at the later stuff because what I've learned is it's a different way of learning history almost by looking at the way things were portrayed. Right. And it's really interesting. It's a time capsule. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that stuff. That's that's pretty fascinating. Um, well, I know your time is short, so let's... Uh, you said there were two. Oh, yeah. So here's the second one. Mm. Uh, let's cap it off with a little bit about your new show. Hmm. Which show are we talking about? The interview show, Objectified. Oh, Objectified. Yeah. Oh, oh, did we just hear something right there? No, we're, we're actually launching a new show. Oh, well, which one do you want to talk about? Um, this will come out in a couple weeks, maybe a week or two. Yeah, let's talk about um, the, the new show on BET. Okay, excellent. Because um, Objectified, which I love doing, um, just wrapped for the season. And Objectified is one-on-one interviews. One-on-one interviews where yes. we talk, we take five, seven objects that people chose to keep in, you know, in their homes and from different periods of their life, and we tell their life story th- by using the objects. Well, that's a lot like your love for the posters. Kind of. It tells you this, I, is, this is the period of time where I was in this mind space. Yeah. Yeah. I love the show. It's so much fun. And it's really, it, well, you know who one of the people was that. I believe a certain Canadian that we know was one of them. A certain Canadian yes. was one yeah. who dropped some interesting information. I, I, was, I, I watched that interview and I just spent the weekend with him for the Jeopardy All Star draft. Oh, you're kidding. I've, I've, oh, oh did, he have, did he have any facial hair? Uh, no, he did not. He, he did shaved not. it all off. He, he shaved it all you off. You know why, right? Uh, his wife made him do yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> and he looks so good with a beard. And on Instagram and on Twitter, all the votes were like 70, 30, 80, 20. To keep keep it, beard. keep it, keep he it. He looks so good. And he goes, I know you voted, but uh, you have no say. My wife does. That's amazing. <laughs> he looked great, he didn't looked he? He so good he with that beard. so much younger. I mean, not like he looks old now, but he looked, no, he looked he, great. I was shocked. Uh, yeah. I, I know. I loved him. He's such a great guy. He was so interesting to me and just you know talk about passion that he's a handyman yes yeah and he can't wait to get home and do carpentry and he bought a hardware store that was going out of business and it's all in his basement yep and he's had multiple surgeries by injuring himself doing home repair yep i, I he's I, he's so interesting he's a really he's a really great guy so i spent the whole weekend with him because we just had the jeopardy all-star draft and i was on the sony pictures lot and you know it was all first time ever jeopardy's done something live it was on facebook live and uh so All, did you compete? I well, so no. This was just the draft for the first time ever. Jeopardy is going to be played in teams. It's going to be out. Oh, you're kidding! Yeah, it's going to be out uh, February twentieth. Uh, but on, on Facebook? No, no, no. The the actual oh, do it in the there's going to be an actual tournament where three person teams, six three person teams, compete against one another. And this weekend was the draft. I love this. So I was a team captain. Damn straight, I was a team <laughs> captain. <laughs> and I got to draft. Uh, I got to a second pick draft of a team. And I've got uh, Roger Craig and Leonard Cooper. You remember Leonard Cooper, the kid with the uh, oh yeah. Yes, he gave the. Crazy deal, crazy yep. final Jeopardy answers to win the team tournament. And I'm like, I got to take him. And Roger Craig's one of the all time greats. But all the big guys, Buzzy and Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter and Julia Collins, oh they, were, they were all there. So that's going to be in the show. So so you can actually watch the taped version of it. But this aired live this Saturday. So oh my God, that's, that's why I was that. here. I love that. Yeah. And you got to see the promos we did. We blacked out the whole set and did all this dramatic lighting and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be wild it's okay, gonna be wild I'm, I'm there i'm there okay so rack rants uh that's our new show on, B- on bet what, what's it called it's called rack rants rack rants there's a there's a woman on my staff named raquel uh-huh and she is such a piece of work she is so fun and she is just so plugged in to you know uh, to 
rap and hip hop and strip clubs and just fun stuff. Yeah. And she knows so many celebrities and we're going to be having, you know, really interesting people in the show. We have Deanne Cole in the show, Taraji P. Henson, and she just has these real conversations and we go out to South Central and we do it at really fun locations and it's going to be a late night show on BET. Awesome. Starting October... 16th. October 16th. Yep. Uh, that will be probably a week and a half after this airs. So look for Rack Rands. Oh my God, this is perfect. Look for Rack Rands on Mid- BET. Midnight, October Midnight, 16th. Midnight, October 16th. Uh, the one and only Harvey Levin of TMZ. This has been an absolute delight. Fantastic. I know we're going to see each other again soon. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, Austin. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.